Yo, 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 Big D here with another episode of the Big D Podcast. Before I bring in today's special guest, please subscribe, like, and share these funky spectrums for to YouTube page. See all my content. Uploaded an episode yesterday, so please check it out. Also check out the Big D Podcast for all your audio geeks on Spotify and Apple. So uh, joining me is one of my favorite people. Uh, you, If you know anything of the Roy Hobbs World Series, you would see this guy, whether he's playing, whether he's throwing out somebody, stealing bases, or uh, striking the side out. It's uh, Dante Sapatucci. Uh, Dante, uh, looks like you're by the beach, right? Yes, sir. But I'm indoors. <laughs> yeah. I'm just thinking... How cold is it in your area right now? And I don't mean where you currently are, but back in Ohio. Well, in Ohio, last weekend, over the weekend, it got to minus 5 degrees. And then with wind chill, it was minus 29 or minus 30 or so. But it's warming up now, I hear, while I'm gone, it's warming up. I don't, th- I don't think I could. I don't know what I would do in negative 30 wind chills. Yeah, you would stay inside. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would be by the fireplace. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cold, pretty bitter. And you imagine and you imagine they played football. The Saints and the Browns played football in that abominable weather this past weekend. You wanna call that football? <laughs> I call that more slip and slide. Yeah, they were and the wind was pretty bad too. On that lake up there. The wind is pretty gusty. Yeah, you yeah, you imagine the Bills have been there and Bill Bills have been in Buffalo this past weekend. Things would not have been good if you were a Josh Allen or a Stefan Diggs fantasy owner. That's true. Yeah. You gotta look at those things when you're uh, drafting. <laughs> well, well, just think this weekend, there are a couple of big uh, football games. And uh, the first one I'm going to talk about is Saturday night between Ohio State and Georgia. So how far does your love of Ohio State football go back? I started following Ohio State in the mid-80s. It was just kind of by accident when I moved here from Pittsburgh. And all my family loved Ohio State. So we would watch the games. A lot of times the Rose Bowl on New Year's Day. So I just started to follow Ohio State pretty regularly. Did you have any favorite players? Not not in particular. I can't think of anyone. I always liked the defensive players. So if you remember um, Andy Katzenmoyer, you know, guys like that. Seems it seems like Ohio State's always known for good defense, right? I mean, think of that O two Ohio State team which shocked Miami in the uh, Fiesta Bowl. That Ohio State defense was something Miami had not seen. Well, they always had the talents, right? They always had the uh, five star talent. It's just a matter of whether they can play together and and uh, perform on the field. Yeah. Now, I think it's interesting because talent doesn't always win because we saw this year with Texas A&M having one of the quote-unquote best recruiting class of all time. They didn't even make a bowl game. 
Right, exactly. And in Ohio State, I would say this year has underperformed. They're so talented, but they just haven't put it together why on do you the field think, for the most why part. Do you, why do you think Ohio State has underperformed? Because coming into this year, I thought Ohio State may have been the favorite to win the national championship, but yet I don't think we've seen the same Ohio State team that we thought we'd see. Yeah, I think part of it's the offensive line. I think uh, maybe there's questions about Ryan Day and his uh, head coaching approach. But, you know, there's no question they have a lot of talent and they would start slow all year long. They started slow. And a lot of times in the second half, they would turn it on. What do you think? Yeah, I'm thinking back to the uh, Notre Dame game where Ohio State and when Notre Dame didn't have a chance, and yet it, it seemed like Ohio State was stuck in neutral. Uh, Iowa game, even the Penn State game, where the Buckeyes started slow, but then, but then revved up to fifth gear. Yeah, yeah, but they couldn't do that against Michigan. Yeah, yeah, Michigan revved up the engine. Yeah, and they and Ohio State had opportunities early in the game. They, uh, I believe, they scored first, and I think they went up ten to three or something like that. And I, I kept saying, "Man, they got to score another touchdown here," but they kept stalling out. Their drives kept stalling, and you got to give Michigan credit for that. But it's, it's sometimes when you let a team hang in the game, it's it's sort of annoys you because. And that in a, in a big rivalry like Ohio State, Michigan, if you let a team hang around, eventually the other side could get hot, and it's whether or not you can match them because that's happened the last two years. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what's happened the last two years. And Ohio State committed too too many bodies to stop in the run, and then they got burned deep on some passes. Uh, how much so they, they lost in both phases of the game on defense? Yeah. So, what do you think? What? How much do you look at Ryan Day as potentially responsible for what's happened? Because if you think of three or four big games that Ohio State's played the last two years, Oregon ran all over you guys. Michigan ran all over you guys. Even Utah and Pasadena put up a ton of yards, ton of points. And in Michigan this year, put up 45 and ran all over you guys in the second half. How much is Ryan Day to blame for Ohio State's inability to just stop physical Oregon, Utah, and Michigan twice? Well, I'm not smart enough to be able to answer that 100%, but I do know that they brought in a new defensive coordinator this year, and their defense went from, you know, like 50th or 60th in the nation to like, you know, top 10, top five type defense, but they didn't show up against Michigan, unfortunately. So you have to ask, is that game planning? You know, you have to ask, is there some strategic uh, deficiency or, you know, they didn't make an adjustment at halftime and um, you got to put that on the head coach. Yeah. And also, and also because, I see I see a difference with this Ohio State team. That 2019 Ohio State defense with Chase Young would not get pushed around like that. Even Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne didn't push around the Buckeyes like Michigan did 
a few weeks ago. I don't think Ohio State's defense is, has been quite the same since that year. Plus, I think we've seen with Ohio State and maybe one or two other teams, maybe Alabama, potentially too much of the focus is on the offensive side and not enough is on the defense because we've seen, let's see, who's been the best team in college football the last two years? Oh, wait, the side you're going to face on Saturday night. Right. Yeah, there was a time when the offenses were just killing Big Ten, like the SEC was just killing the Big Ten. And so there was a shift to more offense in the Big Ten. And now uh, they've kind of caught up with the SEC in that regard. But now then Michigan comes along and you got to give Jim Harbaugh credit. Now he's going back to smash mouth football and they just don't have the bodies or the schemes, it seems, to uh, to defend against that. It took it took Jim Harbaugh a few years to put it together, but it seems like, you know, he's got he's got something going on there. We'll see what happens in the playoffs here. Yeah, who knew smash who knew uh who knew running the ball and playing good defense but still matter in a game in an area where teams are throwing the ball sixty two times. Yeah. Yeah. But if you make them one dimensional then uh you got a chance. Shorten the game, you know, uh plus obviously based on recruiting and and schemes, if you get an offensive line that can just push push the defensive line around, then uh then if they don't get the ball back, then it's tough for them to to score. Could Ohio State's maybe lack of offense, consistent offensive line play be hurting too? Because we've seen this year where Ohio State's not got a running game going in. Some of it's been based on the running backs getting hurt, but some of it's been, been inconsistent offensive line play. Yeah, I would agree with that. I know that they made a commitment this year early in the season to run the ball. And because, um, again, they have talented players. But as the season went on, like I said, they would have slow starts. And part of the reason for that is they weren't able to establish the run and get, you know, big leads. And so they had to rely on the passing game in the second half. But unlike last year, where Ohio State didn't get a chance for revenge in the playoffs this year, the Buckeyes do because Ohio State is playing Atlanta in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. So uh, I know you're thinking after that Michigan loss, uh, New Year's Eve's not going to be fun. Well, the good news is you go, you're not go, Ohio State's not going to Glendale where they've got no chance of winning. And this year you're going to Atlanta. Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm happy as an Ohio State fan that they get the opportunity. And like I said, what they need to do is is establish their their offense early in the game and uh you know, hopefully again shorten the game and cuz the advantage that Ohio State has honestly is their is their quarterback and receivers over Georgia. So in a way, um you know, the, like I said, they have to get a big lead and make and make Georgia one-dimensional on offense in it, trying to catch up. It's going to be tough, or it's just going to have to be a flat, uh, an all-out shootout. You know, just back and forth scoring. That's the only way Ohio State can win. I mean, you. But if you look at it, Ohio State has got a. I mean, yeah, Stetson Bennett's played really efficiently this year, but he hasn't been asked to throw the ball that many times. 
we know what C.J. Stroud's capable of doing. You have probably the best wide receiver in college football, Melvin Harrison Jr. I can't believe I'm seeing. I remember, I remember his old man with with the Colts, and I'm like, his kid can't be this good. Yeah, <laughs> he is. Yeah, I've watched him all along. He's he's as good as they say he is. And too bad Smith and Jigma has been hurt because he's pretty good too. But either way, they have a talented receiver core. Not yeah, not bad. You I. I'd be okay throwing those guys the rock. <laughs> I mean, but this is CJ Stroud's chance to prove how good he is because in a game where he's facing an SEC defense, the number one team in the country in its backyard, can CJ Stroud put a Ohio State on his back like Justin Fields did against Clemson two years ago and shine? Right. That's that's the question, and I and I think if anybody could do it, Stroud could do it. I like him a lot. I mean, does this? I mean, I've I've got a feeling this team's got a little twenty fifteen Ohio State Alabama feel because I I don't remember a lot of people picking Ohio State when the Buckeyes met on Alabama in the first first college football playoff. But yet Ohio State came to play that night. Zeke Elliott ran all over Bama. And then Caldo Jones, the third-string quarterback of all people. Does yeah. this team have a little 2015 Alabama feel? <clears throat> well, uh, what I would say is I don't think it's going to be I, – I, I would think that if Ohio State can win it, it's going to be a high-scoring game. So we'll see. Um, I don't think it's going to be the same as – as that game where they, where Zeke Elliott took over, I think it's going to have to be the other way around. It's going to be Stroud and Marvin Harrison Jr. taking over. More like, more like what uh, happened when you played Clemson and a couple of years ago in the Sugar Bowl, right? Yeah, or remember, if you remember back in the early two thousands when Ohio State Michigan played each other, uh, they were one and two at the time, and the final score was something like. 53 to 47 or something like that. 42, 48, 42, 39. 42, 39. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Very anti-Big Ten score. Usually it's like 13 to 10. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what's going to happen in this game is high scoring if, if Ohio State has a chance to win. By the way, Unbelievably, this is just the second time that Ohio State and Georgia will be playing e each other. You know I am a trivia nerd. Do you remember the one and only time Georgia and Ohio State played each other? It was just a few years ago, but I can't remember. Yeah, they got smoked from what I remember. No. Actually, it's the 1993 Citrus Bowl where Georgia won the game 21 to 14. Okay. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Herbie might have been the Ohio State quarterback that day. What year was that? 93. Yeah, that's about the right time frame. <laughs> 1993. I, I would have been, I wouldn't even have been six months old for that game. Wow. I mean, you know, I was just thinking, you should be thankful that you play. I mean, yeah, Georgia and Atlanta won't be easy, but you know the Buckeyes can't beat 
anybody outside Notre Dame and Glendale. So you may be thinking, a trip to Atlanta, maybe get some milkshakes, get some peaches. <laughs> I don't think Ohio State's ever played in the Peach Bowl. I I, I wouldn't know. You're the you're the trivia buff. <laughs> yep. So um, usually people in Ohio would be like Cleveland Brown old Cincinnati Bengal fans, but you always see the fans. So I'm bet you would have loved that. Kenny Pickett throw the George Pickens on a Saturday night, right? Oh yeah, I, I stood up and cheer for sure. I mean, after honoring the fiftieth anniversary of Franco Harris, Franco Harris immaculate reception, or if you in Oakland, probably immaculate deception, right? <laughs> I never heard it called that. <laughs> they can call it whatever they want. Just but, uh, win, baby, right? Just win. Yep. And the Steelers won and kept their playoff hopes alive. So now you award, I mean, depending on what happens, because that New Miami New England game could potentially knock out knock the Steelers from playoff contention, but the Steelers have got but uh Steelers Go to their longtime rivals this weekend. You go from the Raiders, one of your rivals, to your rival in the Ravens. I mean, is there there might be longer, better rivalries, but is there a harder hitting rivalry than Pittsburgh Baltimore? No, I gotta tell you, that's uh that's my favorite rivalry right now. And they've gone back and forth over the years, and there's been some great games. So I, I have no doubt that this is gonna be a great game. Uh, and I don't, I don't know what time New England and Miami tee off, but at least when the Steelers tee off, I believe they won't know they'll, they'll still be in it. Both uh, Miami New England will be at one o'clock. Oh, I take that back because they were they were flexed to the evening game, so uh, so it may have been decided. But if two is out this week, then I think uh, New England's got a good chance of winning that game. Oh gosh. Yeah. Mac Jones and Teddy Bridgewater. Yuck. <laughs> I think I'd rather watch Kane Pickett and the mall play. Yeah, so uh hey, just just one more week. Just give me one more week. I mean, when I what what is your favorite Baltimore Pittsburgh memory? I remember one year. I don't remember what year it was. It was probably, well, it was the last time the Steelers went to the Super Bowl. So what, what was that? Um, 2009 or something? Or 11, maybe? I can't remember. But I remember uh, Ben Roethlisberger hit Antonio Brown on a sideline pass with about, I don't know, 45 seconds left in the game. An amazing pass, amazing catch. And they went on, went on to score. And uh, Steelers went to the Super Bowl. I think that was the AFC Championship game. Antonio Brown, who with the I mean, Antonio Brown of all people? What have whatever happened to that guy? Well, right now I think he's on the lamb, isn't he? <laughs> That's he's being hunted down by uh, Dog the Bounty Hunter. He's being he's being hunted by everybody, right? Yeah, but that guy, I, I'll be honest, 
I saw him make so many great catches and then get blasted a lot of times before the helmet-to-helmet rules were in place. I wouldn't doubt if he has some of that CTE. Um, you know, a lot of times the the symptoms start showing, but I think the, the deadly, um, you know, results maybe don't come for a few years down the road. But, I mean, I saw him make catches and he would just get hit helmet to helmet and he'd hang on to the ball. He made some great catches and, uh, you know, I just feel bad for the guy, you know, because I, I, I just wonder if he's suffering from uh, some kind of, some kind of uh, injury as a result of his football days. Yeah. I remember one time where uh, I don't remember who it was, but somebody, somebody whacked Heath Miller going across the field. In this game, because Baltimore Pittsburgh game turned into a bloodbath. Like if you like if you didn't come out of this game with like bum with bleeding or with something wrong, you didn't play. Yeah, that was another great game. Steelers won that one too, but they showed the replay of it, and Heath Miller's head went all the way back and pretty much like touched touched his shoulder pads and on the backside, like his head almost got taken clean off. Luckily, he was. Uh, I don't think he came back for the game, but he was. He was okay. I mean, it just. I think it just shows the violence that this rivalry's got. Because anytime Pittsburgh and Baltimore meet up, forget the records, forget who's under center. This game is always close. It's always going to be decided in the fourth quarter. It's going to be first team to twenty. It'll be like some. 17-14 score. I mean, the when you guys played a couple weeks ago was 16-14. I'm like, that's like every Raven-Sealer game I've seen for the last 25 years. Yep. So, on, oddly enough, in that game, Lamar didn't play with his PCL injury, and Kenny Pickett basically didn't play because he was sent into concussion jail again. Yeah, yeah. So and they still have a chance to win that game. If only Mitchell Debisky could throw the ball to the right color jersey. Yeah. And stop the Ravens rushing attack. That was the yep, both of those things. And that, that's what happened against New England as well. They couldn't stop the run late in the game to get the ball back. But give them credit, they were able to do it this week against the best running back in the league. They were able to stop the Raiders with like four minutes left. So they got the ball back and went down and scored. So you can see some progression of Kenny Pickett and the team. I, I've definitely seen an improvement as the season's gone on in the running defense and the running offense as well. So um, what do you think the key is going to be on Sunday night? I mean, assuming the mall plays, it's going to be stop the Ravens' rushing attack and then probably, and then probably put somebody – who do you think uh, Pittsburgh would match up against uh, Mark Andrews? I think they'll they'll uh, mix it up and probably do some mostly zone against uh, the Ravens. Make uh, make Lamar Jackson just continue to throw because he's not a great passer. So I think they'll they'll play a lot of zone and probably give up some some yardage. But you know, again, when it comes down to the red zone, that's where they're going to be stronger probably probably a lot of Minkum Fist maybe some Minkum Fitzpatrick 
Yeah, I tell you what, he's been. I've noticed he's been blitzing a lot more recently, and maybe that's because they've been able to stop the run early in and early downs, putting the other team in, you know, more um, predictable passing situations. They've been able to send Minka in on on some blitzes, so they've been getting. Uh, Minka's been getting to the quarterback. Alex Highsmith's been getting to the quarterback. Cam Hayward's been getting to the quarterback. I'll tell you the. I'll tell you Saturday night was. Saturday night was one of Cam Hayward's best games I've seen in a long time. Yeah, he's a he's a beast. <laughs> that guy, that guy's that guy is the new school version of what Joe Green would be. Yeah, too bad they don't have someone like a Casey Hampton on that defensive line. That would make a huge difference for this team. Hey, you've got TJ Watt, so why are you complaining? <laughs> oh, I'm happy. I'm happy. They need someone in the middle though that just a. Just a run stuffer. I'll get I'll get a Haloti not out of retirement. <laughs> Who's that? I'll get Haloti not out of retirement. He used to go up the middle for the Ravens. Yeah. I think I think another key in this game is can the uh, Steelers run the ball? A couple of the keys. One, can the Steelers run the ball? Because not if the Steelers can get Najee Harris going, I think it helps. And two, when will Deontay Johnson score a touchdown? Because how many targets he's got in this year, and he scored the same amount of touchdowns as Angie, you, and me. Yes. Now, here's the thing. I remember early in the season, he dropped a touchdown pass. It was an easy one, right in his hands. So it's his own fault. But maybe this is the game where he where he gets it but they've been pretty conservative in their passing game early in the season they were going deep a lot trying to get that big play but lately they've been doing more like ball control passes and so you're right if they can get the running game going that's going to open everything up but i have a feeling that uh, baltimore is going to take away the running game and it's going to come down to into kenny pickett's hands yeah so you imagine kenny pickett i mean first true Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Baltimore game potentially on the line. That would be interesting because he performed well last week. I don't. I mean, some guys seem like they could perform well under pressure and in adverse condition. I mean, Deshaun Watson looked like a total different Deshaun Watson that I'm used to seeing. Seeing with the Browns last week, but Kenny Pickett seemed. Cool as a cucumber, despite it being literally below zero. Yeah. Yeah, I really like Kenny Pickett. And uh, they said... He's not going to... Pickett's not going to whelm anybody with talent, but he can... But he's efficient. And I think he's smart, too. I think he's, I think he's been pretty smart in his decision-making. I think the offense is pretty basic right now. But he's just, you know, he's just picking his spots and making his passes. And he's mostly hitting guys on sort of like comebackers. Uh, so it's, it's, they're static throws, but he's been mobile enough to get himself open and then hit those guys. And then obviously that throw to Pickens the other day was, uh, was perfect. Better than any throw Derek Hall made in that game. Yeah. Yeah. That was right on the money on perfect time. So. So I like Kenny Pickett. They said he's got three game-winning touchdown drives this year, which I don't know how that ranks, you know, among 
other rookies in history, but that's still pretty good, even though he had two or three other opportunities, just didn't hmm. didn't get it done. I don't know how many Big Ben had in his rookie year. That's a good question. He had a few, but his rookie year, he was like 15 and 0 or something, or 14 and 0. So he had a great rookie season. And he never threw the ball, though. It's true. They had Bettis and uh, great offensive line, great defense. They didn't have to throw too much. Except in the AFC Championship game, and we know what happened then. Yeah. Yeah, he threw a stupid interception. But speaking of the Ravens, that's Ben Roethlisberger came in because I believe it was Maddox got hurt against the Ravens. What else is new? What's that? What else is new? Yeah, so I think they were down like three touchdowns, and he he brought them back. I can't remember if they won the game or or it was close, but he ended up throwing up for over three hundred yards in his in his debut. Now you've got me thinking. <laughs> uh oh. Let me see what I can find. Du, du, du. Uh, actually, uh, that was the only game. Week two was the only game Pittsburgh lost until the uh, playoffs. What was the final score? Thirty to thirteen. Thirty to thirteen. Okay, I thought he scored more touchdowns, but I think he threw for over three hundred yards in that game. I think it's just I think it's gonna be a fun weekend, not just for you, but for all football fans, because New Year's Eve, we've got the playoff, TCU Michigan, Georgia, Ohio State, and then Sunday, New Year's Day with all kinds of playoff scenarios. Oh, and to top it off, we get one of the NFL's fiercest rivals. What else do you want? That's a great it looks like it could be a great weekend of football. Yeah. So uh, thanks for hopping on, Dante. We wish you and Angie a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and hopefully it'll be a little toast to you. Hopefully so. Merry, or, you know, Happy New Year to your family, and uh, thanks for having me on.